me to the Inkwell Isles. It's just off the coast, maybe 29 miles. Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Ego Plum for the Cuphead Show. That's a new animated series, a TV series, on Netflix based on the 2017 game Cuphead. The music that Ego composed for the TV series is inspired by the early jazz that accompanied cartoons in and around the 30s and that you heard in the original score for the game itself. Ego talks about what it's like to write for cartoons because he's really good at it. He's composed for SpongeBob SquarePants, he's the composer for HBO's Jellystone, and he did the music for Nickelodeon's Making Themes from 2008, and that one in particular I highly recommend you look that up. Netflix recently announced that the Cuphead show is already renewed for two additional seasons with Ego as a composer, so that's good news, even though the first season drops on February 18th. I got early access to watch the Cuphead show the first season, and I absolutely loved it. Cartoons are a great mashup of visual and audio comedy, so I encourage you to watch, but to listen as much as you find yourself watching, because that is when cartoons are particularly a treat. One more note, be sure to watch the conversation that I had with Ego on YouTube. The video is up on the Level with Emily YouTube page, and be sure to subscribe so that you can find out about new videos as they get posted. So here's Ego talking about how he ended up becoming the composer for The Cuphead Show. Showrunner Dave Lawson, I met him many years ago on the first cartoon I ever worked on, something called Making Fiends at Nickelodeon, okay? So he was uh, helping direct that stuff, and we were introduced there. Um, we stayed friends all this time, and when he started working on the Cuphead show, he called me and he said, hey, um, you know, the show's coming up. Uh, we sort of have to, like, audition people. I have these funny lyrics. Do you want to try writing a song? So he had uh, the initial ideas for the Devil song, which is on the first episode. And that's the first thing I wrote. Oh, in case you ain't heard, I'm the devil. I'm a real low down, not on the level. The way you hear it in the episode is pretty much what I wrote. Uh, it got a little more fleshed out eventually. Now we have like horns on and all this stuff, but the demo was just me on piano. Uh, drums and bass, and uh, that was essentially my audition. Like that circulated at Netflix and with the whole production, and I thankfully passed the test with that one piece of music. And the rest is history. You know, it was uh, that was four years ago. I mean, I can't believe it's been that long. You know. Yeah, I mean, the game was such an immediate success, and uh, I mean, the score was great. Of course, Chris Madigan is the one who did the video game score, and he did an absolutely phenomenal job. And one of the things that I'm so excited to talk to you about is just cartoon writing, because writing for cartoons is just a whole different animal. And, and, uh, you know, there are, in my humble opinion, so few people who really nail it and really can get, like, the timing of the comedy down and all of those things. It just seems so difficult to me. So talk to me a little bit about just the nature of writing music for a cartoon. Right. Well, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned uh, uh, Mad Chris Madigan because what he did was brilliant. I just wanted to say, like, I'm so happy about what he and that team were able to do. I went, one of the first times I went on YouTube to listen to his music, one of my favorite things I read was a kid probably, you know, I don't, it could have been a young person, but the comment was, 
what kind of music is this? What do you call this genre? I'm thinking like he's introducing jazz to young, you know, video gamers that probably never even heard this before, know what it is. They don't know how to classify it. Stuff like this has happened like when Guitar Hero came out, you know, like young kids were all of a sudden learning about ACDC and Leonard Skinner. You know, parents are walking in and like, what are you doing listening to Sweet Home Alabama? It's ridiculous, right? So he essentially did the same thing with this 1930s style jazz, you know, the influence of Duke Ellington and Cap Calloway, all that stuff was in his music. And I'm just forever grateful for, for what he did there. So now, fast forward to the Cuphead show, you know, where I'm sort of trying to create something in parallel to what he's done. You know, um, scoring for cartoons is, a, you're right, it is a, a very special animal. And it's something that I feel like I was always geared towards and always wanted to do. As a young kid, Looney Tunes, you know, I was just obsessed with, with Carl Stallings music. I would listen to soundtracks to Looney Tunes while I did my homework, you know, without the shows, just sort of the stop and go frenetic, you know, spazzy sort of up and down, slow and fast music that just was like a rubber band doing all these things. And through that, I was exposed to classical music, to the music of Raymond Scott. Like that was my exposure to so much music, the Looney Tunes, right? And then a little later, the like Pee-wee's Playhouse, for example, that's like another show that I heard music and I was like, this is just surreal and absurd and it's doing all these funny things. And I felt so at home as a musician, a young musician, I wanted to do stuff that was silly, absurd, surreal, uh, and animation, and especially a show like Cuphead, is just a perfect home for that kind of, you know, that kind of music that just does anything it wants to and can stop on a dime and start again in a whole other genre. Yeah, one of the other things that I really love about cartoon music in particular is this seeming tradition of kind of like quoting uh, like maybe really famous classical tunes or really famous jazz or maybe pop tunes or something like that. So talk to me about that whole, uh, I guess, um, aspect to the composition and also, you know, how you decide when you want to do that. For the most part, I wrote all original music for the Cuphead show, except for when I would quote Chris Madigan. Every now and again, <laughs> I would sort of take a little phrase of his, you know, I'd sort of come in and then come out of it Sometimes I would use his music as a jumping off point. So like you'd hear the first, say, 20, 30 seconds of, of his Botanic Panic theme. And then I would so almost like write a whole new thing that followed that, like as if it was a, a whole new piece of music. So, you know, it, it may seem irreverent to some, but for me, it was just like having fun, like treating the music as putty, you know? And um, that's the same thing Carl Stalling did uh, as musical director for the Looney Tunes. He would take, you know, these classical pieces, or Raymond Scott pieces and just sort of bend them and twist them into all these new forms. And, um, you know, I hope uh, Chris likes it. You know, we've talked on the phone and he's a really great guy, but um, I'm of course nervous because there's a lot to live up to here. You know, Chris did fantastic work and now I have to sort of at least reach that level. It's, 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 uh, it's intimidating. Yeah, and and I mean, I I can only imagine, and and <laughs> right. again, I I was fortunate enough to get to see some episodes, and and it's just so fun. I mean, your music is absolutely fantastic in the episodes, and thank you, thank you. Yeah, the way you know, cartoon music in particular is just almost omnipresent. It's just always there, and yeah. and kind of sneaks, and in in and you know, back and forth from the foreground to the background, which I really love about it too. Right, right. 
Yeah, and and also one of the things that's really fun about the show is these opportunities for these little bitty songs that you have here and there. You mentioned kind of this Cab Calloway esque for the devil and things like that, but yeah. um, but there are other songs too, like the ghosts in episode six sing a little song, for instance. Right, so, right. Um, talk to me about writing those little sections. Uh, it's interesting. Like the devil song is interesting to me because, of course, Cab Calloway may be one of the first things that come to mind, but. Again, I'm sort of like twice removed from my influences. Like Danny Elfman's version of Cab Calloway is more an inspiration to me than Cab Calloway. You know, <laughs> sure. the way he would, he would do Oogie Boogie or something he did in his first film called The Forbidden Zone, where he performed as the devil and did a similar type song. The songs were so much fun to do. A lot of the times the showrunner, Dave Wasson or Cosmo, would have these ideas for songs. Uh, sometimes they'd have lyrics. Uh, Dave would have like, here's a sort of like a structure uh, of, uh, you know, line, 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 verse, something that could be a chorus. He would give it to me and I would, uh, you know, massage it into a working song. Sometimes you got to change words so that it fits sort of a rhyme scheme, uh, cut off a little thing here or there. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a little, maybe I'm getting a little too technical, but the songs were so much fun and they're usually short in the episodes. In some cases, we wrote longer pieces of music that ended up, you know, just we only used like 60 seconds of it rather than this longer thing. I mean, I almost wanted to write these full songs. That, I mean, you know, maybe one day they'll see the light of day somewhere. We could convince <laughs> Netflix to do it. I'm sure they want to. I don't even know I should be talking about that, can I? Maybe. <laughs> Why but, not? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would love to see this music come out at some point too. Oh, God, for sure. Uh, the other thing that's really uh, just a delight is all the chase scenes, right? It's Cartoons, so Cuphead and and um, Mug Mugman, Mugman, what's his Mugman, name? Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> they're always <laughs> beating Mugman, each other yeah. up and getting chased and whatever. And those kinds of scenes must be—they seem like they would be really fun to score as well. And all the again the comedic timing when they bang into something and you have to do a stinger or something like that. So it yeah, seems yeah. like there would have to be such precise writing on your part too. You know, absolutely. Yeah, that is by are the most challenging thing I do on the Cuphead show, writing these chase scenes, these fights, those sequences that are usually in a sort of a big band jazz style, but they got to also hit particular moments. They'll tell me, okay, well, I try to write something that feels like a traditional piece of big band music, but then they will say, well, now it's got to get spooky right here and it's got to slow down and now they're going up the stairs, so make all the music go up and now make it sound like it's falling and now it gets sad. All of a sudden, we lose whatever was our, you know, traditional jazz thing, and it becomes this insane, like, new... I, I mean, it, it's really wild because you try to be reverent to this music, but the truth is, the only thing that matters is the storytelling and hitting those beats and capturing the emotion and just selling what is on that screen. Yeah. So I can't stay true to jazz. Frankly, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't, you know... I'm not like a, a schooled musician. I didn't go to music school. I don't know how to read music, frankly, but I'm a fan of this type of music. And I just, the way I, I've studied jazz is by just having a drink and enjoying it on a record. You know, it's like, yeah. it just, it goes in and then it comes out through my own filter. And, you know, I don't think traditional jazz people would maybe appreciate what I do. I don't know, but I, I, I am in the service of the storytelling ultimately, not, yeah. you know, preserving the, the integrity of, of 1930s jazz.
Yeah. I mean, I listen, I, I did morning radio on a jazz station yeah. for many years, and, and it's fine with me. So <laughs> and, and I am trained, and I liked it. <laughs> Good, good, good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, as someone literally who, you know, I can't remember a time not reading music, I'm, I'm always so fascinated, and I just I just want to know what what you hear. You know, I just, I'm so fascinated by that, and um, I have so much respect for that, too, just because, you know, art is art, and um, I'm yeah. just, I just would love to just swap brains just for a minute to, to listen right, right. how you listen, and... To, you know, because oftentimes I'm, I, I visualize things, I visualize the music in my head, which not to say that you don't, but I do it with notes, right? With, with a staff and, and stuff. So, yeah. 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 It's almost like, like, how does a, a blind person dream? Like, what are right. those images? Like, yeah. The, the, yeah. I mean, music is just, ultimately for me, it's just sound particles, right? So, like, it, it, in my head, it doesn't even make sense for it to exist on paper. Like it just, it just these things yeah. flowing through the air. You know, I, I, not to say. Listen, I, I wish I knew how to read and write. It would make my life so much easier. You know, I have people that <laughs> I have. Uh, ben, my assistant, who you know creates charts for me and does this stuff. And and of course, it's like the language that we use to communicate. But I just never, I, I was never ever able to retain this. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like I'm not academic enough to just sort of learn these things it's so weird i don't know what's wrong with <laughs> i don't know if it's that I, it's just a different process <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean yeah i mean um i never took uh music classes i took uh a tap dancing class in junior college just the, the extent of my music school was a tap dancing class amazing which, uh, was really difficult by the way i thought you know as a drummer percussionist i would walk in there and just be able to you know take command of this no, 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 not at all. This is like, it requires a physicality and controlled certain muscles that I didn't even know if I had them or not. It was ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Cool. <laughs> well, what did you study in school then? I didn't even go to college. Oh, yeah. I, I, after high school, I signed up for uh, junior college. And I said I took that one class. Yeah. That was it. And I dropped oh. out. <laughs> and then I got a job. I literally <laughs> had a, a day job for 10 years, all my 20s. Yeah. Trying to make something happen with music, yeah, absolutely difficult. You know, it's like it, Hollywood seems so far away, frankly, even though it was, you know, 20 minutes west on the freeway from where I grew up <laughs> in East LA. It seemed like such a foreign, far away place that I could never break into. Growing mm -hmm. up in East LA, I don't know, it just felt like it was other world. So I just worked really hard. I would pr produce my own music, put out records, CDs, perform, I had a live band for a decade just tried and eventually just met a few people and made something happen, you know, and here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I listened to the, um, uh, the Rat King, which is your Ebola <laughs> orchestra album. And I, I loved it. And I would love actually for you to talk a little bit about that. If you don't mind, just yeah. what is the Ebola orchestra and how that project started? And, um, uh, and then, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Ebola Orchestra was a band that I had when I had a full-time day job doing graphics at uh, UCLA. You know, I worked in a cubicle and I had these ambitions of having this band. I created this group with like 10 or 12 people, this sort of dark, jazzy, circusy, carnivalesque music band. Assembled all my friends. We didn't make any money. We would play shows. But it was at one of these shows that 
the creator of Making Fiends was at. She was at the record release party for the Rat King. Oh, wow. And after that, she goes, hey, uh, I got this show coming up at Nickelodeon. Do you want to work on it? So it was not a waste of time. You know, even though I, it, it didn't make any money, uh, the very fact that I sort of was pursuing music in some form allowed me to find the next opportunity. Like, I really, yeah. really feel that way. Like, all of that was necessary for me to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun. We it was fun. It's always fun to play with friends. Live music is so rewarding. You don't make any money at it. It would cost <laughs> me money to do shows, but there's nothing like it. Even if it's just yeah. ten people in the audience, it's just the greatest feeling to perform. I'd love to do it again, but you know, everything has taken me in this direction, and scoring is now everything I do. But mm-hmm. one day I'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be back to perform. Well, that yeah, album, the guys, maybe, or doing something different. We'll see. Nice. I hope so. I mean that that album. It's you know, I when I found out I was going to get a chance to talk to you, you know, it's always like, well, let me listen to this person's body of work, you know. And um, it's so weird. Yeah, I feel <laughs> weird because it's so different than what I'm doing now for cartoons. Yeah, I want to say I'm. In, embarrassed is not the word, but it's like it's like looking at a picture of yourself in high school when you had, you know you know, pink dreadlocks and some <laughs> weird glasses or whatever, like you're just a different person. Although I'm not that different, frankly. I mean, I still, I love everything I did, but I just feel like I am di- in a different place. Yeah, that stuff was kind of crazy. Well, it's fun because, you know, of course, whatever music streaming service you're listening to at the moment Mm -hmm. gives it a genre, and it said rock. And I'm like, well, I knew that wasn't, you know, I knew that was a (laughs) crapshoot. Right. (laughs) And and it was just, it's just so funny to start that album. It starts with an orchestra tuning, and I'm like, well, what's going to be next now? And then it just goes, and it's like (laughs) all these really talented musicians you're playing with that you can tell, and it's just like, it's recorded really well. I don't know. It's just a really fun album. I think it's a good good time and, um, and fun, too, to just hear the influences there uh, from you know what doesn't matter if I'm listening to Beethoven I can hear influences there right so it's like it it was just funny to be at one point I remember thinking XTC and then to see that in your bio that you (laughs) that you like think they're an influence I was like whoa that's cool but um but yeah I'm so glad you said that XTC is uh one of my favorites in fact um yeah on one of my other shows um Jellystone I don't know if you know about the show I'm doing at Warner Brothers, I recorded with Colin Molding from XTC. He actually played wow. bass on on um, one of the things that I did for that, which um, is going to. I mean, I want to talk about influences because this is very important. I I truly think that as a composer, I mean, your work is only as interesting as your influences. You know, mm-hmm. so for me, being able to pull from, I don't know, Black Flag and XTC. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Raymond Scott or Duke Ellington, like there's elements, like I consider what I do look for Cuphead more like a punk jazz in a way, because 
I try to harness the energy of like when I was I was listening to Black Flag's first album actually this week, thinking, you know, musically it's not melodic, but there's this energy and power that is unmatched. That you know, it, it moves you to action. Punk rock, more than any other kind of music, actually makes me want to punch someone in the face or get punched <laughs> in the face or dance. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I can't say that about sitting in front of an orchestra. Like, like there's something to that, and I try to bring those elements to what I do. Like in a chase scene in Cuphead, how can I make it sound like, like all these musicians are just about to fall off their chairs and just hit the floor you yeah. know it's important to have diverse influences eclectic tastes mm-hmm. you know another one of my favorite groups is the residents from san francisco uh avant-garde and usual kind of stuff that has played yeah. a big role like they taught me how to deconstruct music like how to take something pretty and then just destroy it hmm. like irreverence is important in what i do as much as reverence I want to ask you uh, a little bit more about, um, uh, of course, the Cuphead show and who's playing. Is uh, yeah. you know live musicians? What are you playing? Are you using samples? How'd you put everything together? Yeah. So you know, when we first started the show, we had this great vision of being in a room, having all these players <laughs> recording it the old school way. Of course. And then a little thing came along called the global pandemic, yeah. which kind of, you know threw everything out the window. We had to sort of figure out new ways to record. I guess the silver lining is that I was able to find musicians around the country, around the world in some cases, like a musical soft player in Greece that I would have never thought like, how? But now, you know, we could do a remote recording and then he'll send me uh, a version. I'll go, let's try it again, but let's add something here. You know, there's ways to do this. And it became really nice because I got to meet some amazing musicians. I met these guys from New Jersey called Moonhooch. It's like a duo of, of sax players. And they do this really crazy stuff with saxophones that's sort of like techno dubstep saxophone music. I, I know it sounds ridiculous. They're not even jazz guys, but that's what's great about it. Yeah. The fact that they're not jazz guys playing on the soundtrack to Cuphead. And uh, Jordan Katz, trumpet here in LA, another fantastic musician. I play, I'm primarily a drummer. That's sort of what I started doing. Okay. Uh, when I was 13, I got my first drum kit, playing Ramon songs, playing, you know, Dead Kennedys, like learning P-52s and Devil songs. Like, that's what I did. So I do drumming now. I do the piano stuff as best as I can. I play bass, uh, banjo, guitars. Like, I'm kind of okay at a lot of things. Yeah. I'm not yeah. like a virtuoso. I'm not like a very, very good musician, frankly, at anything. But <laughs> enough to get my point across in, in this music, you know? Yeah. And whenever I'm not good enough, I can always find people better than me and that's sort of key you have to surround yourself by people better than you all the time and that's what i try to do indeed so yeah i mean that's uh we use live in certain cases cannot record a live piano i have wonderful sample based you know pianos that i could use yeah the orchestral stuff obviously we cannot get a 40 piece string section <laughs> i have really high-end quality samples that we use to sort of 
And then you combine that. There's like little tricks you could do. You could add like a couple of soloists over it. And now it kind of creates the illusion of it sounding more real. So there's like little, you know, I'm sort of pulling back the curtain a little bit. It's just sort of like, you know, magic secrets. But this is what we do, obviously. Like this is how you do this when you cannot afford to have a whole room full of musicians. We have to do yeah. it. Other, we have to find other ways to do this. Yeah. So yeah, that's how that's been done. Are you a gamer, Ego? Do you play video games? I love games, and I, I, I do not have time to play games, but I really want to. Like, yeah. I bought I bought a, um, a, a Switch during the uh, pandemic, and I got obsessed with this um, Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, Fantastic. Uh, you know, I have a... <laughs> so fun. Uh, but no, I really, I just want, I wish I could be the kind of person I could sit there and just get lost in a game. Games do feel like the final art form in a lot of ways, you know? And I just want to be there one, one day where I could just sit, out, let the hours go by. I get, yeah. I get you know, so preoccupied. I, I start playing a game, then I think, oh my God, I haven't written that thing for the next episode that's due yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. And then it's over. Then it's like, I'm already out of it. Yeah. I, you know, I need to like learn how to meditate or something just to, yeah. I need to be more in the moment with these things. Like gaming requires just being lost in, in that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a, that's ga what gamers choose is their, that's their escape, you know? So I think yeah. everybody has their, their version of that. Um, and you said something a little earlier in our conversation. I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was you alluding to, you know, finding unusual projects or liking to work with yes. things that are maybe less traditional. And I'm curious, what do you think draws you to that? Or what is it about that that, you know, I guess inspires you? It's hard to say, right? Like, uh, as a young man, you know, you, you have artwork in front of you. You see art books. And then for some reason, why is Salvador Dali more interesting to me than, you know, Michelangelo? I don't know. It's like, there's something going on with certain kinds of music as well. The residents, why is that more interesting and Devo than, than uh, Bruce Springsteen? There's something different happening that is just pulling me in that direction. And, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing because I, I guess you could describe what I, the music I do is maybe a little like, you know, left of center. It's a little, different and i've been in meetings like let's say i was with these executives at disney and i'm sort of pitching myself for a show and i said look either it's going to be a complete home run or it's going to be a total disaster with me you know i can't do <laughs> i don't do the middle ground i i it's going to be one way or the other and I, that's not good for business frankly like <laughs> that's not how you get work and i can't even I don't know if I should say that to other composers or other people trying to make this happen. Like, but it's worked for me. Thankfully, I've been able to find jobs that want me for my sound. Yeah. And that's like a total blessing. That's oh, that's like really rare in this business, I think. Getting hired because you do something that's just a little different than everybody else. But you know, it's I heard other people do it. I heard Mark Mothersbaugh do it. 
I heard Danny Elfman do it. Mm-hmm. He came in with a sound. They came in with a sound that was just completely unique, and it just worked. It just somehow made sense with American comedies or sci-fi or horror, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was perfect. And that's sort of the path I'm trying to follow, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you definitely have a, a sound, which is nice. And I think that's Thank exactly you. where you want to be, right, is where people are. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. You know, there's always that imposter syndrome thing where it's like, yeah. I always wonder if I'm if I sound like me or if I just sound like I'm imitating all the things I love. <laughs> and I'll tell people like, no, this is me copying so and so. They're like, no, no, this sounds like totally like you. But in my mind, I'm just hearing. See, you kind of like one of one of my gifts is that I have like a, a nice library in my head of, of the things I've heard. Like I could sort of pull from different influences. Like I remember this Beatles song had two tambourines, not just one, but double tambourine tracks. I don't know why. Wow. I'm going to try that left and right stereo tambourines, right? Or, or just some other random thing of this band, the Suburban Lawns. Like they had this weird vocal thing that Sue Tisha would do. And it's like, I want a little bit of that too, or whatever. You know, it's like, mm. I don't even remember what the question was anymore. What did you ask me? I'm I like just, going you know, no, not at all. I mean, this all is relevant. It's just what draws you to these quirky projects, oh, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. A keen ear for the quirk, it sounds like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, I be, yeah, I want to be part of shows that are doing special things that are just truly unique. And uh, I've been very lucky to work with great people. You know, Carl Greenblatt, who I did uh, Harvey Beaks with and Jellystone, has it's, it's been another amazing collaborator. And Amy Winfrey, who did Making Fiends, I'm very mm-hmm. lucky to have worked with her. That was really, like, right off the gate, I worked on a weird show, like one of the weirdest ones. Making Fiends? Yeah. Yeah. It was a short-lived show, but it was just wonderful and odd. It's great. It's actually it's on um, it's on YouTube right now, which I don't oh, yeah, know yeah. how she would feel about that, but it's all up on YouTube <laughs> right now, so you can watch all of it. It's it's great, and I mean, you know, I was way too old for that to have come across my radar at the time, but I mean, yeah. it's a fun, it's fun to watch because it's weird <laughs> and I just know. that makes it fun because you're just like, what is going on? But it's it's great, right? Let me ask you a question: Like, is there in, in in the game world, is there an equivalent to the stuff I'm talking about? Like, is there like a developer or artist that are making sort of like games that are just a little left of center, or a little just more unusual, where maybe even the music and the visuals are just kind of take you to these weirder, surreal type places? Always. I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of the game industry is that there's yeah. people doing all kinds of weird shit all over the place and, and yeah. Yeah. like weird good. And it seems to me to be one of the more creative areas for composers to be. Um, yeah, yeah. But I also think that just is really dependent. I mean, because, you know, the interactivity is what's so interesting about the, right. the music and games, right? So that, yeah, ha- that yeah. allows for some really creative kind of gameplay as well, um, audio design, stuff like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never done it, so, like, it, it's a whole other... It's a yeah. new world to me, you know. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about it. Maybe one day, I'll yeah. take a dive into that. Yeah, I, th- I think you'd fit in well. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you'd be amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, who knows? I no, I mean, it just seems like games are so important. Like that industry is so huge. Mm-hmm. Like that is the future, or already is. It's the present, really. 
Yeah, and just like you said, you know, introducing people to different genres of music, how Cuphead, you know, opened people's ears to this really early jazz, you know, that you just don't yeah. hear very often. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of, I mean, there's a game, I just did an interview about a game where one of the protagonists is a classical pianist. And so, like, there's just all these oh, wow. cool opportunities for people to get exposed to art that, they wouldn't Love otherwise it. get exposed to. Yeah. 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 So but cool. yeah. I yeah. promise I'll get bigger into the game thing at some point. <laughs> yeah. uh, and with the Cuphead show now, I mean, how, how long did you, cause you said it was been in production for like four years. Uh, how long would you say you worked on the music? I'm still working on it today. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's ongoing. I'm right now I'm working on stuff for, the second, the end of the second drop. Or I'm in the third drop now. Yeah, well, because um, they just renewed it for two more seasons, right? In the first season. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working for. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing writing stuff for those episodes. Wow. Crazy. Right now, it just yeah, it just seems to go on and on. Uh, <laughs> it's great for me. I love it. But you know, we did lose time with the pandemic. It, yeah. It, it slowed down, and then it sort of slowly got back up again because the studio had to figure out how to work with the entire team like from home for the first time mm -hmm. everything started at netflix the whole team was there you know in writing rooms and you know stuff on the walls and then yeah. next thing you know like a week later it's all gone yeah wow and uh so yeah we lost a lot of time unfortunately and uh, mm. i think the fans know that you know they were expecting stuff for a long time and then nothing and nothing nothing i'm so glad it's finally here but yeah it's been yeah. four years on and off of just doing things and then like breaks and then starting again Right now we're in a nice steady schedule and I'll probably be wrapping up all my work by July, I think. Yeah. Cool. But it's, it's you know, it's every time there's a new episode, it's always some new challenge, some new way to approach a scene, you know, some new ideas that we were trying to explore. Mm -hmm. It's always fun and exciting. Uh, it's always hard too. It's, it's, it's the hardest I've ever had to work on a show as far as writing. It's dense, a lot of notes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of music, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. So much information is packed into just 60 seconds. I, I wish I could have, I should have sent you some, uh, some cues to listen to, or I don't know if your for format allows for like stuff to just be played, but I could like give you some stuff if you're interested. Absolutely. When we do the audio version of the podcast, I'll mix music yeah. into it. So oh, for, fantastic. Okay. Yep. Well, you got it. Yep, the YouTube version, uh, we don't put music in if we're doing video recording like this, just because right. then they nail us with copyright stuff, inappropriately uh, right. so. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. so um, right. so that would be great. And then, yeah, we'll get that in the audio version yeah. for sure. Awesome. What more do you want to say about the Cuphead show? February 18th. I mean, I want everyone to watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, so proud, honestly. It's just, it's, I feel like all roads have led me to this show it's huh. a cartoon in the purest form yeah. it feels when i watch the, the episodes like stories that should have always existed you know and i tried really really hard to try to write music that always existed in a sense too like i aspire to music like three blind mice like the simplicity <laughs> of pop goes the weasel yeah. Imagine trying to write something as timeless as Pop Goes the Weasel. That melody <laughs> is unmatched. Right. But, but nobody ever aims at for Pop Goes the Weasel, but that's what I'm shooting for, you know? <laughs> and it's, I'll never reach it, but even if I sort of land right here, at least I, got, I might have something, you know, kind of cool. Yeah. So that's what I'm going for, sort of timeless, 
melodies. Uh, and it's a challenge, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I'm achieving it. I'm trying, I'm really trying hard to make that happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully people will like it. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just grateful for anybody that's in, into this. I'm, thank, I'm thankful to you for wanting to talk to me because you're the first interview I've done for the Cuphead show. Oh, wow. And, yeah. You could probably tell that I'm like, have a <laughs> lot that I want to get out. You know, yeah. and it was just going all over the place because it's just exciting to me. It just really is. Well, it's such a fun show, and I think, you know, the gaming world is super excited about it, too, because Cuphead was such a hit. I mean, I know. just all ages, really. Um, yeah. And the cartoon obviously will be a hit for all ages as well, just because cartoon. that's why cartoons are great, because they appeal mm. to everyone. Uh, but but yeah, I I do have one more th- thing I was curious about um, is yeah. is when you're writing, where do you start? Like because you mentioned you're a percussionist, but I don't imagine that you sit at your drum kit to write a tune. Maybe you do sometimes, I'm sure, but you know what mm. I mean. How how's that process work? It's interesting. You know, when we talk about musicians and and writing, we it's often romanticized, and it's the idea of like you know the muse and waiting for inspiration. Yeah. There's none of that with what I do. <laughs> I have a deadline that's Friday, let's say at 9 a.m. <laughs> and it's Tuesday right now. And I wake up. I it's sit. Wednesday, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday right now. I wake up, I sit at the keyboard. And as soon as my hands hit the keys, I'm writing. Wow. There's just no wait. There's no writer's block. I can't afford writer's block. I'll get fired if writer's <laughs> block happens. That's not a real thing. Yeah. You know, I have to just compose. It's going to have to come. It's going to come out one way or another. I have no choice. So it's, uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm like a organ grinder monkey, but in some ways it, it does feel that way. And I think I read Danny Altman say that once about how he feels about writing, but uh, <laughs> not to say I don't love what I do. I, 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 I love every second of being able to do this work. But again, it's 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 not mystical. It's, yeah. it's 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 actual work. I sit there and I just compose. I, I'm at the point, and this is this is in no way like even bragging about anything. It's just as simple as, as it is for me to say words. I could make melodies just yeah. you know appear. It just mm-hmm. it just I do it every day. I've worked on a lot of shows now, and it's like. A, I just don't have a choice. It's just, I think in, in melodies as much as I do in words, it's kind of like we're talking about dreams. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what happened to me for the first, this is really bizarre. Last week, for two days in a row, I dreamt in Cuphead, like in an, an animated <laughs> dreams. Two days in a row, I was wow. in the world. It wasn't the real, I don't wow. mean like I'm watching it. I'm talking the dream was animated and I was in that world inhabiting Inkwell Isles, whatever. <laughs> it's like, that's how, how deep I am in this mess right now with Cuphead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really, really weird. Um, does that make sense? What I'm describing about the process? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, I've talked to composers now for a long, long, yeah. long time. And there, there. I do know a handful of people who are, as you describe yourself, that can just come up with melodies with ease, and that's just so not the norm. You know, I think right, a right. lot of people do struggle with it, and so that's that's definitely right. a very special right. gift. You know, and again, it doesn't mean it's good. I mean, just saying, it just well, that's how it works. You know, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> amazing. And hopefully it's something good. And if it's not, you keep massaging it until it becomes something better and more interesting. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point you hear it, you're like, oh, okay, that kind of works. But the point is it's like it's like taking a pencil and and a pad, just start drawing, just start scribbling. Like you'll see some some image there, and then maybe take an eraser and now you'll start correcting this corner here. Now you have some a shape of an animal or a thing. Yeah. You know, it's like it, that's as simple as that. Just pen to paper and movement. Yeah. That's what I do with music. It's just hands on a guitar, hands on a keyboard. Just hit, make a sound, any sound. Yep. And then start molding it, you know? Yeah. That's so, I've never, I've never tried to describe that before, but I think I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but <laughs> I hope yeah. it makes sense. It does. It makes sense. Okay. So pretty much all cuphead all the time for you over the next few months. Right now. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a lot, but boy, it's it's so much fun, and and uh, it's been a shit ton of work. It really has been hard. Yeah. But I think people are gonna like it. Uh, everyone's worked their butts off on the show. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. I just, yeah, I just can't wait for everyone to see it. Uh, likewise, it's been a delight to to see the snippets I saw and uh, to hear your music and. Oh, thank you, you know, so much. I'm I'm already excited for the next seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Cool. But thank you so much, Ego. Is there anything else you want to say before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, thank you. Thank you for your time and taking the time to talk to me. That means a lot. I hope uh, your fans enjoy this. And yeah, please check out the Cuphead show, uh, February 18th. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Let's get into it. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Ego Plum and see a playlist. You can also support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. And be sure to check out the video of the chat that I had with Ego uh, on the Level with Emily YouTube page. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and, of course, YouTube. And learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.